powerful songs to start our new year. A reminder that God chose us. He wants you. He wanted you. He did what He needed to do to have you be one of His own. He knew your name. He formed you in your mother's womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully made whether you feel like it or not. Believe Him. Then standing on the promises, that firm, sure foundation we have of standing on Jesus Christ our Lord and the blessed assurance it gives. Great, great songs. We are talking where today is the day, the first day of the year. Our minds typically go to evaluating, thinking about the new year. You may be like me. You may not make actual resolutions. But it's healthy, and it's, a, it's an appropriate time to evaluate the past and think about what you'd like to accomplish in this new year. And we need to do that regularly, evaluate uh, where we are and what we need to improve. But this is an especially poignant time, and perhaps I was thinking after just the rush of Christmas, hopefully this past week of yours you were able to catch your breath and relax a little bit and think. And so we, can, we have maybe a moment to think before we jump back into work. So we're going to talk about that today and look at what the Paul, Apostle Paul had to say. Let's read our scripture in Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 7. Familiar passage uh, by Paul. We know before this he had outlined his credentials, if you were, as you were, if you would, as a Hebrew, the the family he came from, the training he had, his zeal. And he says, but he counts all that rubbish to know Christ. And we pick it up at verse seven. He says, But whatever was to my prophet, all those things he mentioned. I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. And I love this verse. I've I've worked on committing it to memory. I want to know Christ. That is a truly noble calling. We can have no higher desire in life. I want to know Christ and I think of Tim the Tool Time Taylor on this next section, and the power of his resurrection. We men like power especially. But Paul goes on to say, and to share in the fellowship of sharing in his suffering. Paul realized it wasn't all mountaintop. It wasn't all the power of the Holy Spirit. That there was... Uh, a part of Christ's life, certainly, that was suffering. He suffered for us, and that we should also want to have that fellowship of suffering with Him. It's not fun. It's not anything we normally would seek out. 
But in uniting with who Christ is, it's both sides of that coin. The power, the abundant life, but also the sacrifice and the suffering. Paul goes on in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold on it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. As I was reading this again, studying it, getting prepared, letting God work it into my life, it stood out to me afresh, Paul's transparency here. His chapter starts, this chapter starts where he's writing this letter to the Philippians, talking about all the benefits he had coming up as a, as a Jewish boy. The best education, the right family. He had zeal in his, in his circle. He was admired by people of his circle. But then he got awakened by Jesus Christ to a new way, to a different way, a way that was a 180 degree turn from what he was doing. But as great as he is with all his education, with all his knowledge of the scripture, he says, not that I've already obtained this fellowship with Christ. And I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. The great Apostle Paul realized he had a lot to learn, a lot to absorb, a lot to do to achieve his goal of knowing Jesus Christ. And I, I appreciate that this great man is honest in that way, not putting on airs, not being boastful or prideful, but saying, I'm pressing to the mark, but I ain't got there yet. And that can be an encouragement to us all. There is so much as we go forward and as we learn. And there's a lot as a pastor that you strive to learn. There's exegeting the Scripture. There's eschatology, systematic theology, hermeneutics, all kinds of things. Then there's stuff they don't teach in seminary about how to administrate and lead a church, how to lead people, how to do those kind of things. And there's one other lesson that you, you have to learn. They try to give us practice in it, a visitation, but it's one of those things you really got to practice and do. And so as a young pastor, I started doing my visitation, and there was a senior lady in our church, wasn't able to attend much, Mrs. Bell, sweet lady, and so I, I knew I needed to call on her, so I go to her house, ring the doorbell, she lets me in, greets me, and offers to make me coffee, and I agree, and she goes to make that. So I'm sitting on her sofa, 
and it's taken a while. Mrs. Bell doesn't move very fast anymore. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'd made the mistake of not eating before I came, and I'm starving. I'm hungry. And I'm thinking, well, the coffee will take care of that when I get the coffee, but it was just taking an amazing long time. And on the table, on the coffee table, was a bowl of peanuts. And normally you wouldn't want to help. Peanuts can get caught in your throat or, you know, just being rude. But I just had to have some. So I nibble on one or two peanuts. Still no coffee. So I help myself some more. And before I know it, I've emptied the bowl. I'm embarrassed. Well, she finally comes in, walking in with the coffee very slowly. And, and of course, it wasn't a mug. It's very nice setting and a nice uh, uh, china tea cup type thing, coffee cup. And as she walks in, I said, Miss Bell, I, I'm just so embarrassed, I have to apologize. I was so hungry, and I, I ended up eating all of your peanuts, not leaving any for you or anybody else. And she very sweetly says, Oh, dearie, don't worry about that. With my dentures, I can't eat the peanuts, so I just suck the chocolate off and leave them. <laughs> so you, you kind of learn... So look before you leap and maybe have something to eat before you do. So those things in the past are lessons for us. And we're smart if we learn from those lessons. And that's what we want to talk about today. You know, Paul there in verse 13, those key verses, right there in the middle, Paul talks about forgetting what is behind Forgetting what is behind. And that's a challenge. Paul had a lot to forget. Paul had persecuted Christians. He had sought them out. He had stood and observed them being stoned to death and even participated himself. We, of course, as we come to Christ, we have our sins that we confess to God, but I really am pretty sure none of us have sentenced anyone to death or been a cause of their death. But Paul did. So when he says forgetting what is behind, he's not just talking about some uh, eating peanuts he shouldn't have eaten or things like that. He had serious transgressions. But Jesus had... Stopped him on that road to Damascus, turned him around. And yet, Paul being human, it, it'd be very understandable if he had just kind of shriveled up inside and become immobile with guilt, unable to accept the grace of Jesus Christ when he thinks about that people were dead because of his actions, because of his zeal. But he didn't. He goes on to say, but I press towards the mark. I forget what's behind, and I press towards the mark. And we can ask, well, how could Paul find that strength? 
I struggle with my worth in serving God when I think about the things in my life, but they don't measure up to what Paul did. And Paul overcame that to serve God in a powerful way. And the way he did that was taking God at His Word, believing God that He was forgiven. Jeremiah 31, 34 records the Lord saying, For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. I kind of don't know how the Almighty does that. But that's what He said. And He does forget our sins. We're told that as far as the east is from the west. We're told that though our sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. And God says He'll never bring them up to us. And of course, that remember is a little different meaning to it than mentally remembering something happened. It's not holding against another, not remembering it against us. When He forgives our sins, He doesn't bring it back. It's, it's out of His judgment, out of His mind. He's forgiven it. He's cleansed it. And so that's what He means, I will remember no more. I will not hold it against them anymore. And so then we come into another kind of challenge here. If that's the truth, and it is, Paul believed that. He took God at His Word, that His sins were forgiven. And so it is that statement of truth, and we can claim that for ourselves. God says that for us. Whatever in your life you've done against God, against someone else, when we take that to God and confess, He remembers it no more. So then we have this thing, but, but it keeps coming up, Wes. I keep struggling with it. I keep feeling unworthy. I keep feeling guilty. And one thing we can know, it's not God bringing it up. It is our guilt. It is our memory. It is our lack of faith. And so we have to claim that verse regularly. We have to claim the promises of God regularly. Lord, I don't feel this is true. I don't see how it's true, but you've said it. I'm going to believe it. And day by day, we trust and we walk. And we praise God that He remembers our sins no more. It's a wonderful, wonderful gift that we often just can't conceive And of course, we need to be careful to understand that that's not of us. It's not because we're so good looking or we're so talented or that God has extra favor on us or that we've given enough money. Paul addressed that in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved. I have been saved, not of works, so that no one can boast. It is the gift of God, so that no one can boast, through faith. And that is a wonderful 
again, promise that we need to be sure we understand. We didn't save ourselves. We didn't decide one day out of the blue, I think I'll follow Christ. We make that decision, but it's only after He chose us. It's only after He died for our sins. It's only after He paid the price. It's only after He bid us to come. And so it is not of our works. It is not of our righteousness. It is of His righteousness, of His work, of His mercy, of His grace that we come to Him and we have this wonderful, wonderful promise and gift. But we have a conundrum. Paul says, forgetting that which is behind. And we can understand, even though we may have trouble with it, how we, we need to let go of the things, some things in the past. But on the other hand, we're told to remember. In Joshua, you remember the Israelites had failed to go into the Canaan land. That generation passed, and then it was time. Moses died. Joshua is now the leader to lead the people in. He gathers them on the west side of the Jordan, getting ready to go in. God has said, okay, now do it. And this time the people are following. Once again, if you remember, there were two times God stopped and parted the waters. One was the Red Sea. The other was the River Jordan. And it very specifically says, the waters were piled a long ways off. Very specific imagery. Once they had passed through, God instructed Joshua to instruct the different ones of the tribe to go back to the riverbed to get a stone and to bring it out into the Canaan land and take one for each tribe, take those 12 stones and build them into a monument. Not so much an altar, it's more of a monument. And then he instructions so that when you come by with your children, you can point that out and say, that's to remember what God did for us. How He brought us out of the wilderness into the Canaan land. He was, they were told to make this remembrance of something that happened in the past. Later on in 1 Samuel chapter 7, the Israelites are fighting the Philistines, and this is in the battle of Mizpah. And God once again wins the battle for them, helps them, has them do that. And when that battle is over, God instructs Samuel to take a stone and set it up so that they can remember God's provision and protection for them. And Samuel did that, and he called that stone Ebenezer. Here I raise my Ebenezer, meaning God has helped us thus far. And you may remember you sing that song. 
Here I raise mine Ebenezer, hither by thy help I'm come. That's where it comes from. 1 Samuel 7. So again, they're told to remember God's works. And then one in the New Testament, we go all the way to the book of Revelation. God is talking to the church of Ephesus, and He first praises them for their service to Him. But then He says, but remember from the heights you have fallen. They had slipped away from worshiping God. And so God reminds them to remember the service and love they once had from God and how they had turned lukewarm and cold and weren't serving Him anymore. So we have this situation. We have this where we're, we're told not to remember the past, not to hold on to it, but then we're told to hold on to it. And like most everything in life, there's a balance. We do need to remember, but we need to forget. Like I said, a conundrum. But if you'll notice in these examples I gave you, the remembering was remembering what God had done. Remembering that God carried him into the promised land. Remembering that God had helped them defeat the Philistines. Remembering that God had saved their soul and they once had a tremendous love for him. So that was the point of those things. And so we come to this of needing to balance because there are things we, we need to remember from the past. We're familiar with that quote by George Santayana, Spanish philosopher that says, those who forget the past are condemned to repeat it. And that's the gist of the today's scripture at the head of your bulletin. Those things in the past were so that we could learn so that we can go forward, not making the same mistakes again. And so we, we, need, we need that. But if we're not careful, we can let that past hold on to us. We can, we can stay back there. Like I said, that, that with Apostle Paul, where would all of us be today if Paul hadn't been able to take God in faith, believing what He said, and leave His past life behind and move forward to serve Christ. We wouldn't have the writings we have. We wouldn't have His teachings. We wouldn't have His example. And so praise God, Paul was able to do that. And as we can do that same action, we can move forward. The Word comes to mind to me, that when we hold on to the past in that way, we are hobbled. Many of you, that some of you here work with horses and cattle, and you certainly understand what hobbling is. Uh, if you've ever chased a horse out in a field, you know you lose the chase. They're too fast. So what is done to keep them from being able to do that is you tie their front and back leg together to where they can only take a small step. They can walk, but they can't get a stride and run. So they're hobbled. They're hindered. They're constrained in their movement. 
And if we hold on to the past in that way, it hobbles us to where we are not free to serve God. We are not free to move forward in searching out Christ and becoming what He would have us to be. We're hindered by those memories we can't let go of. We're hindered because we won't forgive ourselves. We also need to remember, I said it to you earlier, if you continue to struggle with those past actions, behaviors, things in your life, it's you bringing them up, but you get help. We have an accuser. We have an adversary. And he, the New Testament see is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We have it in the book of Job, the oldest writing, time-wise in the Bible, when it occurred, of Satan comes before God and God says, have you seen my servant Joseph? And Satan says, yeah, but you treat him too good. He, he was accusing. And that's what he does. And he accuses us. He comes to us and said, you can't serve God. You're not worthy to do this work for Him. Remember when you did that? And He brings up that guilt. He brings it back to us to hobble us so that we are ineffective and weak. And how do we proceed? We claim the forgiving work of Jesus Christ. And you can speak to Him. Just as Jesus did say, Satan, be gone. I'm a child of the King. My sins have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. I'm forgiven. And Dr. Stanley was teaching on this, and it stuck with me all these years. He reminds us, when you get into that kind of spiritual battle, you don't put yourself up. Satan, that's not true. I've, I've left that behind. I'm good. I'm better now. You're putting yourself and you're going to lose that battle. You bring up the name of Jesus Christ. He cannot stand against the name of Jesus Christ. He will flee. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist him by claiming the name of Jesus Christ. I'm washed by the blood of the Lamb. And God remembers my sin no more. That's one reason we need to know the Scriptures. To quote them back. That's exactly what Jesus did in the wilderness when Satan tempted Him. He quoted God's Word back. So, we need to understand that we can be hobbled within our own minds by the adversary of thinking, I can't do anything for God. I'm too bad. I'm not good enough. God has given us a Holy Spirit. He's cleansed us. He remembers our sin no more. It doesn't stand in the way. He wants to use us to, to glorify and honor Him. And He's given us everything we need to do that. So we claim that rather than staying back in our sense of unworthiness. There's another way we are hobbled. And that's through sentimentalism too much sentimentalism. We 
can be trapped by remembering the good old days. And there are some wonderful good old days. And it's good to remember those, and it's good to have some of that nostalgia and to remember the joy of those times. But if we stay there, if we try to stay there, we can hinder moving forward by trying to keep things like they were in the past. By trying to keep this life the same as what it was. I agree with you. Uh, I'd like to go back to some simpler days, simpler times, simpler ways. When a man's word was his bond, you didn't need contracts, a handshake was enough. When people treated each other with respect and courtesy. There's glimmers of that today, but it's not like it was. I'd like to go back there. But we're in a new time, a new culture. And if we try to work today in the model of how things were, it's, it's going to hobble our progress. So we remember those good moments. We use them to encourage ourselves. We use them as a testimony to each other. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, but Jesus saved me. I was at the point of death, and I prayed out to God, and He healed me. I was in a tragic accident, and He protected me. Those remembrances encourage us again because they point to the faithfulness of God. And so we need to do that as we move forward because we've got a mission from God. We have a challenge. We have a task. He didn't save us. He didn't give us this abundant life so that we could just drink iced tea on the porch. He's called us into His family, into His army, into His workings to serve Him to let others know of this liberation, to let others know they can be free. And God in His infinite wisdom, which mostly doesn't make sense to me from a human perspective, has chosen to use us to do that. He who could snap His fingers, say the Word, and every one of us would have instant enlightenment about all the things of God, He's chosen not to do that. He's chosen to use us, His redeemed creation, to carry the light to those around us. And He wants us to grow in faith. And so He's given us this mission. And that mission is the same, to tell the world, beginning at home, moving outward, that there is a God, that God loves you. He has a wonderful plan for your life, that this God made a way for you to enjoy that wonderful plan. The mission, challenge, task is the same as it always has been. But the culture's changed. I don't need to tell you, that's an understatement. The tools have changed. One of the ways we're reaching into homes today is with the live streaming that we do. 
This week I had family and friends tell me that they, they tune in and watch. One of our own that wasn't here last week shared with me. She turned, tuned in and it helped her and I know others are watching. That's a new tool we have to help people worship when they're sick, when they can't get out or for whatever, when they're exploring. I have friends I've shared with you around the world in Kenya who tune in and watch and across the country. It's a new tool we have that we didn't even have available to us some years back and really embraced here recently. So God has challenged us to teach the world with the news of Jesus Christ and to not do that, and this is the harsh word, is to fail Him. He who has done so much for us, given us all His life, when we refuse to serve Him, to attempt to serve Him, because we're not perfect, we're learning, we're failing Almighty God. To let our preferences stand in the way of reaching a new generation for Christ, it's understandable, I like what I like, but it's disobedience. To place our desires that are rooted in the past first so that they become a barrier to others who need to know Jesus Christ. My place in heaven is secure. I cannot be plucked from God's hand. Neither power, principalities, or the prince of the air can stop me from my communion with God and going to heaven one day. I am secure in Christ, and so are you if you've called on Him. So we don't need to ensure our salvation passage into heaven, but that's not true for too many, too many around us. So actions like these is how we can let the past hold on in a detriment to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We remember God's great acts on our behalves, and we use the toils and tools of today, I misspelled, tools of today and adapt our methods to reach those who do not know Him. This is the Christian life. This is what honors God, having spiritual babies and grandbabies and nieces and nephews because we've shared the Word of God with them and they've come to know Him. Everyone in this room and listening by live stream faces these challenges. We all face the challenge of those times when we get quiet and still questioning ourselves, having doubt, when the adversary is whispering in our ear, you're not all that. We all face the challenge of wanting to stay where it was good and fun and comfortable. And it's human nature. It doesn't make us wrong, but we need to be able to set it aside for the glory of God. Campbellsburg Baptist Church, 
has a wonderful legacy to remember. It wasn't too many years ago y'all celebrated your 200th anniversary, and I've seen the pictures, and I've heard the stories how this was packed out, and people arrived in, in carriages and wagons, sometimes dressed in that old garb. Great celebration, and that's wonderful. It is. And praise God, He's preserved this place. He's kept it. He's protected it. This church has been through many storms within and without. She's seen wars. And many sons and daughters fell in those wars. She has seen the Great Depression, drought, floods, and winter storms. She has faced the prospect of destruction and ruin, and yet God has sustained her. Is He a God of accidents? No. Is He a capricious God that just kind of does things on a whim for the fun of it? No. He's a God with a purpose. And He's protected this church for a purpose. He has not abandoned the church. He sustained it. He has not ignored her cries, or, but He's answered her prayers. He has protected her through the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, which is about my extent of Shakespeare. And He has kept His shield of grace over her. We can remember that. Some of you can remember it experientially. You've been here. You've enjoyed that. So, the question always comes to us, what is our response? What should be our church's response? And it's an easy one. We can know this up here. Someone has said that 18 inches is the hard part, getting it into our heart. The Apostle Paul said, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection, and to participate in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. That's a great promise. But not I've not already obtained it. We haven't already obtained it. But brothers and sisters... I do not consider myself to have yet taken hold of it, but one thing I do, I don't let the past hold on to me. I press on to the mark of the high calling of God, to which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Close with John fifteen six. You did not choose me, but I chose you you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. I chose you, the song we started with. So here we are in the first day of 2023, and I pray for each one of us individually and all of us corporately that we will affirm that I'm going to press to the mark of the high calling of Jesus Christ, for which He has called me heavenward. We need each and every one. You may think 
You can't play a role. You may think there's nothing you can do, but there is. And uniting together and saying, I'm pressing towards the mark is how we can do that. Let's stand. Our closing hymn is a favorite hymn of mine. I like closing with the hymn. It's upbeat. It's positive. It's affirmative. I'm resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. Things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have allured my sight. I will hasten, hasten to Him. Hasten so glad and free. Jesus, Savior, I will come to Thee. Let's stand and sing. You're standing. If you need to respond, if you want to come and, and, and make a definite action of affirmation, I invite you to come. You don't have to speak to me. You can come kneel. If you want to do that as a testimony to those standing here, I'm going to press towards the mark and do all I can. Do that listening.